Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature and Storytelling In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on YouTube. You can find us using this podcast name. Fear not, listeners, episodes will still be released on this podcast first, and it is only after a delay of a week that I will upload them onto YouTube. You can still find us on all your podcast providers first. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website, on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we conclude the story, the story told by the Sultan's steward, with night 18, and begin the story, the story told by the Jewish physician. Once again, in a similar way to the stories told in this cycle, the main character for the story told by the Jewish physician is a merchant, this time from Mosul, who travels to the cities of Aleppo and Damascus, and by the time we reach the end of this episode, he has run away to Cairo. There is a clear indication that these stories all seem to focus around the travel either to or from Cairo, and it seems that this city was the city to go to for every merchant, at least in the stories that we have encountered so far. Another common theme that seems to be in this cycle of stories is the harm brought out by falling in love, whether it be the death of a loved one, the harm brought to the protagonist through his love of a woman, and in this story, the murder of a luckless damsel by another while he was sleeping. This may be a reflection of the costs of falling in love too quickly. An important historical figure, that of the Lady Zubeda, the wife of the Khalifa Harun al-Rashid, also features in the story told by the steward. It is interesting to note that there is no recorded reaction to this story by Harun al-Rashid, who is listening to this cycle of stories from his vizier Jafar al-Barmaki to his wife making an appearance, playing a large role in how the protagonist from the steward's story ends up with his eventual wife and how he was living in his private quarters for a considerable period of time. I would make the assumption that he would not have been very pleased by this revelation. Auzubillah min ash-shaytan nirajim bismillahirrahman nirrahim in the name of God, the Compassionate, the Merciful. Praise be to God, the Beneficent King, the Creator of the Universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed, 
and blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad Wasallam, and his family. Blessings and peace enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Sherzad continued. I went home, intoxicated with her love. My servants brought me my evening meal, and they placed before me the supper, and I ate a morsel, but reflections upon her beauty and loveliness and grace prevented my eating more. I desired to sleep, but sleep came not to me, and in this condition I remained for a week. The merchants demanded of me their money, but I prevailed upon them to wait another week, and after this week the lady came again, riding upon a mule, and attended by a eunuch and two other slaves, and having saluted me, said, O oh my master, we have been tardy in bringing to thee the price of the stuffs. Bring now the money changer and receive it. So the money changer came, and the eunuch gave him the money, and I took it and sat conversing with her until the market was replenished and the merchants opened their shops, when she said to me, Procure for me such and such things. Accordingly, I procured for her what she desired of the merchants, and she took the goods and departed without saying anything to me respecting the price. When she had gone, therefore, I repented of what I had done, for I had procured for her what she demanded for the price of a thousand pieces of gold. And as soon as she had disappeared from my sight, I said within myself, what kind of love is this? She hath brought me five thousand pieces of silver and taken goods for a thousand pieces of gold. I feared that the result would be my bankruptcy and the loss of the property of others, and said, The merchants know none but me, and this woman is no other than a cheat, who hath imposed upon me by her beauty and loveliness. Seeing me to be young, she hath laughed at me, and I asked her not where was her residence. I remained in a state of perplexity, and her absence was prolonged more than a month. Meanwhile the merchants demanded of me their money, and so pressed me that I offered my possessions for sale, and was on the brink of ruin. But as I was sitting absorbed in reflection, suddenly she alighted at the gate of the market street, and came into me. As soon as I beheld her, my solitude ceased, and I forgot the troubles which I had suffered. She approached and addressed me with her agreeable conversation, and said, Produce the scales and weigh thy money, and she gave me the price of the goods which she had taken with a surplus, after which she amused herself by talking with me, and I almost died with joy and happiness. She then said to me, Hast thou a wife? I answered, No, 
for I am not acquainted with any women, and wept. So she asked me, What causeth thee to weep? And I answered, A thought that hath come into my mind, and taking some of the pieces of gold, gave them to the eunuch, requesting him to grant me his mediation in the affair, upon which he laughed and said, She is in love with thee more than thou art with her, and hath no want of the stuffs, but hath done this only from her love of thee. Propose to her, therefore, what thou wilt, for she will not oppose thee in that which thou wilt say. Now she observed me giving the pieces of gold to the eunuch, and returned, and resumed her seat. And I said to her, Show thy favor to thy slave, and pardon me for which I am about to say. Then I acquainted her with the feelings of my heart, and my declaration pleased her, and she consented to my proposal, saying, This eunuch will come with my letter, and do thou what he shall tell thee. And she arose and departed. I went to the merchants, and delivered to them their money, and all profited except myself, for when she left me I mourned for the interruption of our intercourse, and I slept not during the whole of the next night, but a few days after a eunuch came to me, and I received him with honor, and asked him respecting his mistress. He answered, She is sick, and I said to him, Disclose to me her history. He replied, The lady Zubaydah, the wife of Harun al-Rashid, brought up this damsel, and she is one of her slaves. She hath desired of her mistress to be allowed the liberty of going out and returning at pleasure, and the latter gave her permission. She continued, therefore, to do so until she became a chief confidant, after which she spoke of thee to her mistress, and begged that she would marry her to thee. But her mistress said, I will not do it until I see this young man, and if he have a desire for thee, I will marry thee to him. We therefore wish to introduce thee immediately into the palace, and if thou enter without any one's having knowledge of thy presence, thou wilt succeed in accomplishing thy marriage with her. But if thy plot be discovered, thy head will be struck off. What then sayest thou? I answered, Good, I will go to thee, and await the event that shall befall me there. As soon then as this next night shall we have closed in, said the eunuch, Repair to the mosque which the lady Zubaydah hath built on the bank of the Tigris, and there say thy prayers and pass the night. Most willingly, I replied. Accordingly, when the time of nightfall arrived, I went to the mosque and said my prayers there, and passed the night, and as soon as the morning began to dawn, I saw two eunuchs approaching in a small boat, conveying some several empty chests, which they brought into the mosque. One of them then departed, and the other remained, and I looked attentively at him, and lo, it was he who had been our intermediary and soon after the damsel my companion came up to us. I rose to her when she approached and embraced her, and she kissed me and wept. And after we had conversed together for a little while, she took me and placed me in a chest and locked it upon me. The slaves then brought a quantity of stuffs and filled them with the other chest, 
which he locked and conveyed together with the chest in which I was enclosed to the boat, accompanied by the damsel, and having embarked them, they plied the oars and proceeded to the palace of the honored Lady Zubeda. The intoxication of love now ceased in me, and reflection came in its place. I repented of what I had done, and prayed Allah to deliver me from my dangerous predicament. Meanwhile, they arrived at the gate of the Khalifa, where they landed and took out all the chests and conveyed them into the palace. But the chief of the doorkeepers, who had been asleep when they arrived, was awoke by the sound of their voices and cried out to the damsel, saying, The chest must be opened, and I must see what is in them. Why do you want them opened? she objected. But he shouted at her, Don't waste time. These chests must be opened. Then he arose and placed his hand upon the chest in which I was hidden. My reason abandoned me, my heart almost burst from my body, and my limbs trembled. But the damsel said, These are the chests of the Lady Zubeda, and if thou open them and turn them over, she will be incensed against thee, and we shall all perish. They contain nothing but clothes of various colors, except this chest upon which Thou hast placed thy hand, in which there are also some bottles filled with the water of Zamzam, and if any of the water run out upon the clothes, it will spoil their colors. Now I have advised thee, and it is for thee to decide, so do what thou wilt. When it was brought to him, I lost my senses. I was so afraid that I was unable to control myself, and my urine seeped from the chest. The girl cried to the eunuch, You have destroyed me and destroyed yourself, as you have spoiled something worth ten thousand dinars. In the chest are colored dresses, the container has just fallen open, and the water has leaked out over the clothes in the chest, ruining their colors. When he heard therefore these words, he said to her, Take the chests and pass on, Allah damn you and the eunuchs immediately took them up and with the damsel conveyed them into the palace. But in an instant I heard a person crying out and saying, The Khalifa, the Khalifa, woe, woe, the Khalif, the Khalif. I was bereft of my reason and seized with a colic from excessive fear. I almost died and my limbs were affected with violent shaking. I exclaimed, there is no might and no power except Allah, the exalted, the omnipotent. Words which never bring shame on those who repeat them. To which I added, this is a disaster that I had brought on myself. The Khalifa cried out to the damsel saying to her, What are these chests? She answered, O oh my Lord, may Allah exalt thy dominion. These chests contain clothes of my mistress Zubeda. Open them, said the Khalifa that I may see the clothes. When I heard this, I felt sure of my destruction. I felt that I had truly died, saying to myself, By Allah, this is the last day of my life in this world. If I escape, I shall marry her, no question about it. But if I am found out, then my head will be cut off. I started to recite, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad Wasallam is the Apostle of Allah. Night 28 
Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the twenty-eighth night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shehenshah, that the young man recited the confession of faith. He went on, The damsel could not disobey his command, but she replied, O prince of the faithful, there is nothing in these chests but clothes of the lady Zubeda, and she hath commanded me not to open them to anyone. The Khalifa, however, said, The chest must be opened, all of them, that I may see their contents. And immediately he called out to the eunuchs to bring them before him. I therefore felt certain that I was on the point of destruction. They then brought before him chest after chest, and opened each to him, and he examined the contents. And when they had brought forth the chest in which I was enclosed, I bade adieu to life and prepared myself for death. But as the eunuchs were about to open it, the damsel said, O prince of the faithful, warily this chest containeth things especially appertaining to women, and it is proper, therefore, that it should be opened before the lady Zubeda. And when the Khalifa heard her words, he ordered the eunuch to convey all the chests into the interior of the palace. The damsel then hastened and ordered two eunuchs to carry away the chest in which I was hidden, and they took it to an inner chamber and went their way. Whereupon she quickly opened it and made a sign to me to come out. My mouth was dry, so I did as she desired and entered a closet that was before me, and she locked the door upon me and closed the chest, and when the eunuch had brought in all the chests and had gone back, she opened the door of the closet and said, Thou hast nothing to fear, all's well, don't be afraid, may Allah refresh thine eye. Come forth now and go up with me, that thou mayest have the happiness of kissing the ground before Lady Zubeda, and it may be your good fortune to win me. I therefore went with her and beheld twenty other female slaves, high-bosomed virgins, and among them was the lady Zubeda, who was scarcely able to walk from the weight of the robes and ornaments with which she was decked. As she approached, the female slaves dispersed from around her, and I advanced to her and kissed the ground before her. She made a sign to me to sit down, so I seated myself before her, and she began to ask me questions respecting my condition and lineage, to all of which I gave such answers that she was pleased and said, By Allah, the care which we have bestowed on the education of this damsel hath not been in vain. She then said to me, Know that this damsel is esteemed by us as though she were really our child, and she is a trust committed to thy care by Allah. Upon this, therefore, I again kissed the ground before her, well pleased to marry the damsel, after which she commanded me to remain with them ten days. Accordingly, I continued with them during this period, but I knew nothing meanwhile of the damsel, certain of the maids only bringing me my dinner and supper as my servants. After this, however, the Lady Zubeda asked permission of her husband, the Prince of the Faithful, to marry her maid, and he granted her request and ordered that ten thousand pieces of gold should be given to her. The Lady Zubeda therefore sent for the Qadi 
and witnesses, and they wrote my contract of marriage to the damsel, and the maids then prepared sweetmeats and exquisite dishes, and distributed them in all the apartments. Thus they continued to do for a period of ten more days, and after the twenty days had passed, they conducted the damsel into the bath, preparatively to my being introduced to her as her husband. They then brought to me a repast comprising a basin of zerbaje sweetened with sugar, perfumed with rose water infused with musk, and containing different kind of fricandos, fowls, and a variety of other ingredients such as astonish the mind. The servants then brought a small table on which among other dishes was a plate of sugared almonds and vinegar, on top of which had been poured rose water scented with musk. It contained roasted chicken breasts and an astonishing variety of other ingredients. And by Allah, when this repast was brought, I instantly commenced upon the zerbaje and ate of it as much as satisfied me, and wiped my hand but forgot to wash it. I remained sitting until it became dark, when the maids lighted the candles, and the singing girls approached with the tambourines, and they continued to display the bride, and to give presents of gold, until she had perambulated the whole of the palace, after which they brought her to me, and disrobed her. I found myself alone with her on the bed, and as soon as I was alone with her, I threw my arms around her neck, scarcely believing in our union, but as I did so, she perceived the smell of the zerbaje from my hand, and immediately uttered a loud cry, whereupon the female slaves ran in to her from every quarter. I was violently agitated, not knowing what was the matter, and the slaves who had come in said to her, What happened to thee, O our sister? Take away from me, she exclaimed to them, this madman, whom I imagined to be a man of sense. What indication of my insanity hath appeared to thee, I asked. Thou madman, said she, wherefore hast thou eaten of the zerbaje, and not washed thy hand? By Allah, I will not accept thee for thy want of sense, and for thy disgusting conduct. And so saying, she took from her side a whip, and beat me with it upon my back, and then my buttocks, until I became insensible from the number of the stripes. She then said to the other maids, Take him to the magistrate of the city police, that he may cut off his hand with which he ate the zerbaje, without washing it afterwards. On hearing this I exclaimed, There is no strength nor power but in Allah. Wilt thou cut off my hand on account of my eating a zerbaje, and neglecting to wash it? And the maids who were present entreated her, saying to her, O our sister, be not angry with him for what he hath done this time. But she replied, By Allah, I must cut off something from his extremities. And immediately she departed and was absent from me ten days, after which she came again and said to me, O thou black-faced, am I not worthy of thee? How didst thou dare to eat the zerbaje and not wash thy hand? And she called to the maids who bound my hands behind me, and she took a sharp razor and cut off both of my thumbs and both of my great toes as ye see, O companions. And I swooned away. She then sprinkled upon my wounds some powder, 
by means of which the blood was staunched, and I said, I will not eat of a zirbaje as long as I live, unless I wash my hands forty times with kali, and forty times with cypress, and forty times with soap, and she extracted of me an oath that I would not eat of this dish, unless I washed my hands as I have described to you. Therefore, when this zirbaje was brought, my color changed, and I said within myself, This was the cause of the cutting off of my thumbs and great toes. So when ye compelled me, I said, I must fulfill the oath which I have sworn. I then said to him, continued the sultan steward, And what happened to thee after that? He answered, When I had sworn to her, she was appeased, and I was admitted into her favor. When I swore that oath for her, he said, she calmed down, and she and I slept together, and we lived happily together for a considerable time, after which she said, The people of the Khalifa's palace know not that thou hast resided here with me, and no strange man beside thee hath entered it, nor didst thou enter but through the assistance of the lady Zubeda. She then gave me fifty thousand pieces of gold, and said to me, Take these pieces of gold, and go forth and buy for us a spacious house. So I went forth and purchased a handsome and spacious house, and removed thither all the riches that she possessed, and all she had treasured up, and her dresses and rarities. This was the cause of the amputation of my thumb and toes. So we ate, said the sultan steward, and departed and after this the accident with the humpback happened to me. This is all my story, this is the end of my story, and peace be on thee. The sultan said, This is not more pleasant than the story of the humpback. Nay, the story of the humpback is more pleasant than this, and ye must all of you be crucified. The Jew, however, then came forward, and having kissed the ground, said, O sultan of the age, I will relate to thee a story more wonderful than that of the humpback. And the sultan said, Relate thy story. So he commenced thus. The story told by the Jewish physician. The most wonderful of the events that happened to me in my younger days was this. I was residing in Damascus where I learnt and practiced my art. And while I was thus occupied, one day there came to me a Mamluk from the house of the governor of the city. So I went forth with him and accompanied him to the abode of the governor. I entered and beheld at the upper end of a saloon a couch of alabaster overlaid with plates of gold, upon which was reclining a sick man. He was young, and a person more comely had not been seen in his age. Seating myself at his head, I ejaculated a prayer for his restoration, and he made a sign to me with his eye. I then said to him, O my master, stretch forth to me thy hand, whereupon he put to me his left hand, and I was surprised at this, and said within myself, What self-conceit! By Allah, how remarkable! Here is a handsome young man from a great house, but he lacks manners. This is strange. I felt his pulse, however, and wrote a prescription for him, 
and continued to visit him for a period of ten days until he recovered his strength when he entered the bath and washed himself and came forth and the governor conferred upon me a handsome dress of honor and appointed me superintendent of the hospital of Damascus. But when I went with him into the bath which they had cleared of all other visitors for us alone, and the servants had brought the clothes and taken away those which he had pulled off within, I perceived that his right hand had been cruelly amputated, at the sight of which I wondered and grieved for him, and looking at his skin, I observed upon him marks of a beating with a mikarahas, and could see from his scars that he had been beaten with whips and treated with salves, which caused me to wonder more. This troubled me, and my concern showed on my face. Looking at me, he understood what I was feeling. The young man then turned towards me and said, O doctor of the age, wonder not at my case, for I will relate to thee my story when we have gone out from the bath, and when we had gone forth and arrived at the house, and had eaten some food and rested, he said to me, Hast thou a desire to divert thyself in the supper room? I answered yes, and immediately he ordered the slaves to take up thither the furniture, and to roast a lamb, and bring us some fruit. So the slaves did as he commanded them, and when they had brought the fruit, and we had eaten, I said to him, Relate to me thy story. And he replied, O doctor of the age, listen to the relation of the events which have befallen me. Know that I am of the children of Al-Mosul. My paternal grandfather died, leaving ten male children, one of whom was my father. He was the eldest of them, and they all grew up and married, and my father was blessed with me, but none of his nine brothers was blessed with children. So I grew up among my uncles, who delighted in me exceedingly, and when I had attained to manhood, I was one day with my father in the chief mosque of Al-Mosul. The day was Friday, and we performed the congregational prayer and all the people went out except my father and my uncles, who sat conversing together respecting the wonders of various countries and the strange sights of different cities, until they mentioned Egypt, when one of my uncles said, The travelers assert that there is not on the face of the earth a more agreeable country than Egypt with its Nile. And my father added, Who hath not seen Cairo? hath not seen the world. Its soil is gold, its Nile is a wonder, its women are like the black-eyed virgins of paradise, its houses are palaces, and its air is temperate, its odor surpassing that of aloes wood, and cheering the heart. And how can Cairo be otherwise when it is the metropolis of the world? Did ye see its gardens in the evening, he continued, with the shade obliquely extending over them, ye would behold a wonder, and yield with ecstasy to their attractions. Its climate is mild, and its scent surpasses that of frankincense, which it puts to shame. There is nothing surprising about this, as Cairo is the whole world. How eloquent was the poet who said, 
Am I to leave Cairo with its comforts and delights? What other place is there to rouse my longing? Am I to leave a land which is itself perfume, rather than what is found in the partings of perfumed hair? How could I do this when this is a paradise of loveliness, strewn with rich carpets and cushions, a land whose splendor fills the eye and hearts with longing, holding all that the godly and ungodly can desire? Here are true brothers united in their merit, meeting within the confines of its gardens. People of Cairo, if Allah decrees that I must leave, covenants and compacts still remain between us. Do not mention her to the Zephyr, lest it may steal from her gardens sent to give elsewhere. My father went on. Were you to see its gardens in the evening in the slanting shadows, you would see a wonder and be filled with delight. When I heard these descriptions of Egypt, my mind became wholly engaged by reflections upon that country, and after they had departed to their homes, I passed the night sleepless from my excessive longing towards it, and neither food nor drink was pleasant to me. A few days after, my uncles prepared to journey thither, and I wept before my father that I might go with them. So he prepared a stock of merchandise for me with some trade goods, and I departed in their company. But he said to them, Suffer him not to enter Egypt, but leave him at Damascus, that he may there sell his merchandise. I took leave of my father, and we set forth from Al-Mosul, and continued our journey until we arrived at Aleppo, where we remained some days, after which we proceeded hence till we came to Damascus, and we beheld it to be a city with trees and rivers, and fruits and birds, as though it were a paradise, containing fruits of every kind. We took lodgings in one of the Khans, and my uncles remained there until they had sold and bought, and they also sold my merchandise, gaining for every piece of silver five, so I rejoiced at my profit. My uncles then left me and repaired to Egypt, and I remained and took up my abode in a handsome kha, such as the tongue could not describe, the monthly rent of which was two pieces of gold. Here I indulged myself with eating and drinking, squandering away the money that was in my possession, and as I was sitting one day at the door of the kha, a damsel approached me, attired in clothing of the richest, descriptions such as I had never seen surpassed in costliness, and I invited her to come in, whereupon without hesitation she entered, and I was delighted at her compliance and closed the door upon us both. She then uncovered her face and took off her izar, and I found her to be so surprisingly beautiful that love for her took possession of my heart. So I went and brought a repast consisting of the most delicious viands and fruits and everything else that was requisite for her entertainment, and we ate and sported together, after which we drank until we were intoxicated and fell asleep, and so we remained until morning. When I handed her ten pieces of gold, she frowned, knitting her brows and exclaiming indignantly, Shame on you, Mozuli. 
do you think that I want your money? But she swore that she would not accept them from me. Out of the pocket of her dress she produced fifteen dinars and left them in front of me and said, By Allah, if you don't take them, I shall never come back to you. I took the money and she said, Expect me again, O my beloved, after three days. At the hour of sunset I will be with thee, and do thou prepare for us with these pieces of gold a repast similar to this which we have just enjoyed, and took leave of me, and departed, taking my reason with her. And after three days had expired, she came again, decked with embroidered stuff and ornaments and other attire, more magnificent than those which she wore on the former occasion. I had prepared for her what was required previously to her arrival, so we now ate and drank and fell asleep as before, and in the morning she gave me again ten pieces of gold, promising to return to me after three more days. I therefore made ready what was requisite, and after three days she came attired in a dress still more magnificent than the first and second, and said to me, O oh my master, am I beautiful? Yea, warily, I answered. Wilt thou give me leave, she rejoined, to bring with me a damsel more beautiful than myself, and younger than I, that she may sport with us, and we may make merry with her, for she hath requested that she may accompany me, and pass the night in frolicking with us, and you and she can laugh together, and she can enjoy herself, as for a long time she has been sad. She has asked to come with me to spend the night with me. And so saying, she gave me twenty pieces of gold, desiring me to prepare a more plentiful repast on account of the lady who was to come with her, after which she bade me farewell and departed. Accordingly, on the fourth day, I procured what was requisite as usual, and soon after sunset, she came accompanied by a female wrapped in an ishar, and they entered and seated themselves. I was rejoiced, and I lighted the candles and welcomed them with joy and exultation. They came in and sat down, and at this sight I recited, How pleasant and delightful it is now, when the censurers is absent and unaware. Love of pleasure and drunkenness, one of these is enough to steal our wits. The full moon appears wailed. The branch bends in a groan, and on the cheeks the rose blooms in its freshness, while in the eyes languishes the narcissus. Life, as I wish it, is without a cloud, because of the beloved pleasure is complete. They then took off their outer garments, and when the new damsel uncovered her face, I perceived that she was like the full moon. I had never beheld a person more beautiful. I rose immediately and placed before them the food and drink, and we ate and drank, while I continued caressing the new damsel and filling the wine cup for her and drinking with her. But the first lady was affected with a secret jealousy. By Allah, she said, Verily, this girl is beautiful. Is she not more charming than I? Yeah, indeed, I answered. I would like you to sleep with her, she told me, and when I agreed, she got up and spread out the bedding for us. Soon after this, I fell asleep, and when I awoke in the morning, 
When I stirred, I found that I was very damp, and I thought that I must have been sweating. I found my hand defiled with blood, and opening my eyes, perceived that the sun had risen. I sat up to rouse the girls and shook her by the shoulders, at which her head rolled off the pillow. Losing control of myself, I cried out, Kind shelterer, shelter me. I saw that her throat had been cut, and I sprang up, finding that the world had turned black for me. The other damsel was gone, and I concluded, therefore, that she had done this from her jealousy. There is no power and no might except with Allah, the High, the Almighty, I exclaimed. And after reflecting a while, I rose and took off my clothes and dug a hole in the ha, in which I deposited the murdered damsel, jewels and all, afterwards covering her remains with earth and replacing the marble pavement as it was before. I then dressed myself and taking the remainder of my money, I left the house, locked it up, went forth and repaired to the owner of the ha and paid him a year's rent, saying to him, I am about to journey to my uncles in Egypt. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please click on the link available on our many social media platforms or email us. Why not donate to our coffee to show your appreciation? Every bit helps and we thank you for your continued support. We love that our listeners love listening to us. Welcome to the vocabulary section for episode 19. First, let's look at some of the terms that were used in this episode. Zubaydah, first wife of Harun al-Rashid, best known Abbasid princess and cousin of Harun al-Rashid, remembered for the series of wells, reservoirs, artificial pools that provided Muslims with water for the Hajj and was renamed the Darb Zubaydah in her honor. It is said that Zubaydah's palace sounded like a beehive because she employed 100 women maids who had memorized the Quran. She died on the 10th of July, 831 CE. Tigris, eastern of the two great rivers that define Mesopotamia, flows south from the mountains of the Armenian highlands through the Syrian and Arabian deserts and empties into the Persian Gulf. Zamzam, well at Makkah, believed to possess miraculous virtues. Colic, a form of pain that starts and stops abruptly, may be accompanied by sweating and vomiting. Alabaster, a fine-grained, translucent form of gypsum, typically white, often carved into ornaments. Metropolis, the capital or chief city of a country or region, or a very large, densely populated industrial and commercial city. Viands, an item of food. Gown, a long dress typically having a close-fitted bodice and a flared or flowing skirt worn on formal occasions. Narcissus, also known as a daffodil. Now let's look at some of the words used in this episode. Prevailed, prove more powerful than opposing forces, or be victorious, or persuade someone to do something. Tardy, delaying or delayed beyond the right or expected time or late. Replenished, fill something up again. Prolonged, continuing for a long time or longer than usual, 
lengthy, pressed, forcefully put forward an opinion, claim, or course of action, mediation, intervention in dispute in order to resolve it arbitration, or intervention in a process or relationship, intercession, intercourse, communication or dealings between individuals or groups, intermediary, a person who acts as a link between people in order to try to bring about an agreement, or reconciliation, a mediator, embarked, to go on board a ship, aircraft, or other vehicle. Incensed. Very angry or enraged. Warily. Truly or certainly. Appertaining. Relate to or concern. Decked. Decorate or adorn brightly or festively. Esteemed. Held in great respect or admired. Preparatively. Preparatory act, procedure, or circumstance. Preambulated. Walk or travel through or around a place or area especially for pleasure and in a leisurely fashion. Agitated. Feeling or appearing troubled or nervous. Insensible. Without one's mental facilities, typically as a result of violence or intoxication. Entreated. Asked someone earnestly or anxiously to do something. Extremities. The furthest point or limit or the hands and feet. Staunched. Stop or resist a flow of blood from a wound. Relation. The way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, affect one or relevance to each other. Squandering. Waste something, especially time or money, in a reckless and foolish manner. Compliance. The act or process of complying to a desire, demand, proposal, or regimen, or to coercion. Sported. Wear or display a distinctive or noticeable item. Attired. To be dressed in clothes of a specific kind. Frolicking. Play about or move about cheerfully, excitedly, or energetically. Exaltation. A feeling of triumphant elation or jubilation. Rejoicing. This episode has been written, edited, and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.